Hello and welcome to Celebrating Industry Leaders podcast. I'm Valerie Delforge. I'm a business strategies consultant on an international level. And today I have the pleasure to be interviewing Angela Bartlett from Hidden Beauty UK. Angela, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Very well, Valerie, and thank you very much for inviting me on. Oh, it's such a pleasure. We've known each other for some time. Uh, I think it was we met at Babtac, I think, one evening, wasn't it? Yes, yes. And then again at Professional Beauty, our paths have crisscrossed, haven't they, over quite a number of years now. Absolutely. So it's a real pleasure to talk to you. I've always been a fan of what you've done. And I think it'd be really good to understand, you know, your story and how did you start in the industry? I'm always fascinated with the stories. Well, yes, I started um, um, a long time ago now, actually, embarrassed to say, 1984, when I graduated from uh, Chichester College of Technology in in West Sussex with uh, what was then the Higher Diploma in Beauty Therapy, which uh, uh, does seem an age away. Um, Then I went on to work in uh, day spas, and I've always, throughout my career, had my own salons. Um, I've been an international examiner for SIDTAC, the chairman for Babtac and Sibtac, and then uh, latter years I opened uh, Hidden Beauty UK to provide uh, professional expert mystery shopping services for businesses and um, official visitors for awards processes, um, salon spas and um, and uh, some private cosmetic houses as well. So yes, a long time ago. <laughs> That's incredible, what a journey. Yes. <laughs> So what what kind of made you really, really empowered to go through that? It seems very channeled to education, I guess, and and support. Yeah, I've always been very keen on standards and quality education. I think from uh, starting off having such a good quality training myself, once I went into industry, I realised that that wasn't always the case with it being such an unregulated industry. So um, I've always been, uh, I wouldn't say I planned, but I've always been sort of led down routes that have taken me towards uh, quality training and education um, and just generally supporting standards in the industry. Mm, love that. So, so tell us a little bit about your current position and what do you do and... Uh... Well, currently I'm uh, the managing director of Hidden Beauty UK. As I said, we provide uh, mystery shopping visits for businesses, awards processes, etc., as well as salon spas and um, and a couple of cosmetic houses. Um, but I do also uh, still have two salons, so I am feeling everyone's pain at the moment. Oh, um, so, <laughs> yeah. so, where are your salons based? In Cheshire. Yes, so I'm very, although I'm from the south, um, I am now an honorary northerner and I've been based up here since 1993. Wow, amazing. Mm. And so you've got the two salons, what are they called for anyone to... Uh... Uh, Sensoria, yeah, Sensoria Beauty Grooming and Wellbeing. Yeah, how are you finding it at the moment then, obviously? Um, well... <laughs> What, what, what can we say? <laughs> Probably the less said, the better, really. Um, it's such an unknown quantity, isn't it? But fingers crossed for um, a quick reopening. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So what do you think? You know, I'm always fascinated because you've, you've got such an incredible journey. You know, what's your motivation behind all of that? How do you motivate yourself? Um, I'm a very self-motivated person, which I think you have to be. I've always been self-employed, run my own business. Um 
So yeah, I always have a reason to get up in the morning. I think that's really important. I'm never the sort of person that just lays in bed and thinks about the day. As soon as I start thinking, I think, right, I might as well get up and get it done. So um, I'm a real getter-upper and doer type of person. Um, but I mean, everybody, you, you do have your off days. Um, so sometimes when I'm thinking, oh, you know, I need a bit of inspiration. Um, I do like to dip into the odd inspirational TED talk and listen to some inspirational people that always drives me on if I'm having a bit of an off day that's really interesting I always like to know how we handle difficult days so is it kind of your your go-to the TED talk yeah I do and um, I also have I mean I'm not at all um you know into sort of otherworldly things but Um, I do have a little uh, gratitude uh, stone that I pick up every morning. It just keeps me focused. If I think, oh, you know, if my life is, you know, I'm having a bit of a down day, I'll always pick up my stone in the morning and count all my blessings. Um, uh, but my second go-to really is uh, are the TED Talks. I love those. When I go out for a walk, I have um, them on my, um, you know, I listen to podcasts. Um, I like people like Mel Robbins um, and anyone really that... Um, is inspirational and, um, and as, as an optimist as well. I, I love that. I get a lot of inspiration from that. I love that. That's, I love the gratitude stone. That's such <laughs> a good idea. Keeps you focused. Yeah. How did you hear about that? Was it something that you... Um, I think it was probably from, um, probably from a TED talk or something like that. It was something I heard and I thought, yes, I mean, I've always counted my blessings, but actually to have something visual to focus on. I'm a very visual person to wake up in the morning. And one of the first things I see is that stone that make, keeps me focused on all the things of that I have to be thankful for. I love that. It's all the gratitude and everything else, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what's your biggest success story? I can think of already three big success stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think um, surviving and thriving through the last two recessions with my salons was a big success story and hopefully a third. Um, and also, I think, you know, becoming chairman for BabTAC and SibTAC um, for the two years. And I was on the board for 10 years. Um, And I think reintroducing their awards process, which they hadn't done for many, many years, um, I felt was a success. Uh, and also to be the first to raise awareness about a pathway for beauty therapists in the aesthetics arena. Um, back in 2010, I met with um, Simon Burns, who was the health minister then at Westminster. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that really started the ball rolling to think about where our industry was going um, and how uh, we couldn't be left behind and that we should have a voice in that arena. So, yeah, I think that was that was probably um, my biggest success story. It's incredible. <clears throat> so did you have the salons after you left, uh, um, you know, baptized? I've always had salon. I've always had at least one salon. Um, and at the moment I've got two. Um, but uh, yeah, I've always had that. I just find it's always kept my finger on the pulse. It's such a fast moving industry to mm. actually be living it on a day to day basis keeps me in touch. You know, I think being the chairman for BabTAC and SibTAC kept me in touch with what all the members were also going through all the different challenges that you face as a salon owner or a spa owner on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I, I always felt that it, it gave me the edge and kept my finger on the pulse of what was happening currently. Yeah, I, yeah. I very much so, isn't it? You know mm. the, the pain, like you said, you know the yeah. pain and the glory, absolutely. And in terms of your, of your um, kind of a, a mystery shop uh, a business, Uh, Hidden Beauty. When did you start that? 
Um, it was just when I finished the uh, chairmanship, when I um, stepped into past chair, um, I started that, that up then and um, then very quickly took up the awards process for uh, professional beauty. They asked um, uh, whether I would take up all the official visits for the awards. So we did that for 10 years, obviously not the last year because we weren't allowed to circulate, but yeah, for the 10 previous years. So how did, what made you kind of think of like, a, a, you know, the, the mystery shop side of, uh, of the business? Well, um, it had been done for the uh, hotel industry for many, many years and also for restaurants as well, but in never for our industry. I always feel we sort of lag behind a little bit in, in those sort of sort of innovative areas. So I thought, well, actually, why don't we do that for our industry? Mm. It's worked so well for hotels and restaurants. Um, why don't we do it more? I think there were one or two companies that were doing it, but um, I wanted to get more into the sort of expert side where we'd be supplying mystery shoppers that um, were qualified really to make um, you know, decisions and judgments on places rather than just members of the public. Mm. Um, and it seemed to work quite well. It's brilliant. I mean, obviously, I know your company and, you know, you've used it and I think you've got such a, a great insight to the industry. So it's such a great, uh, a great focus. Oh, thank and, you. And what do you think your biggest challenge? Let's put the, the corona aside. What do you think? <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's put the C word aside. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there are going to be lots of challenges, aren't there, for this year. But I think there's also an awful lot of opportunities, some amazing opportunities. It's a real turning point. Um, I think there's a real sort of pent up demand for treatments as well. Uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day, somebody I, I met, met in our local high street. And uh, she said, oh, I, I can't wait to go and have a, a massage or a facial. And I thought, well, you know, you're not the sort of person that ever does go for a massage or a facial. But I think the fact that they haven't been able to have it has made lots of people think, well, actually, I think that's something I really want to start. So I think there's going to be a massive demand for treatments when we go back. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a desire for more self-care as well. Um, one of the most sort of Google phrases, I think, during lockdown, and correct me if I'm wrong, was self-care. Mm. So I think people are more uh, going to be more keen about looking after themselves, looking after their health, because health has been, you know, the, the, the sort of pinnacle of everything over the 2020. Mm. Looking at lots of ways to maintain, you know, their physical health and also their mental health as well. Mm. I think being locked down for lots of people has made them sort of address priorities in their life and um, so I think there's a massive opportunity um, so I think when the, the government says you know we're good to, to go there could really be an explosion um, of growth in our sector um, so I'm always very I'm a very positive person so I'm always very positive about the future uh, although you know I think there are challenges um, obviously there'll be an urgent need uh, to make up on the financial deficit mm. that we all endured you know last year and obviously at the beginning of this year um, and the other challenge, it, there could be a, a, with the increased sort of treatment demand, there could be increased staff shortages. I know we're always a bit short of staff, aren't we? Or good staff anyway in our sector. Mm -hmm. So um, that could be a challenge. Um, but I think our biggest, biggest challenge in our sector is sort of long-term sustainability. You know, the spa and beauty industry has a very large carbon footprint uh, so anything we can do now with our businesses to prepare for that those environmental issues mm -hmm. I think will prepare your business for the long term 
for a long-term future because you know the conscientious consumer well in fact lots of consumers more and more consumers becoming conscientious um will be looking for more and more sustainable treatments and products um and you know we all talk about wellness uh, but we can now really never be truly well uh, unless we care for the environment. You know, true wellness is things like clean water, clean air and contaminated food. That, that is real wellness. Um, it's not always about, you know, having a massage or sitting in a jacuzzi. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be a big challenge. Also a big opportunity if you get it right. But something that you really do need to consider for the future. I love that angle, really love that angle, because we talk about it, but I think I always feel it's a little bit hard to know where you're starting from that. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's, again, sometimes there's so much information, we don't quite know where to look and what to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we all need to do a little bit more research and get a bit more guidance, I think, on that as a sector, as a whole of, you know, we all want to do more, but, you know, how do we actually implement it, you know, in a, in a sustainable way? Uh, and a cost-effective way, of course, as well. So, yeah. Really interesting. I mean, I want to go back to your point on staff and, and recruitment. What we have found with recruitment is there was so many, uh, obviously, unfortunately, uh, uh, staff that has been made redundant or, or you know, the, the salon has closed. So we do seem to have stronger CVs in the, in the, in the process at the moment. Good, good, yeah. Um, time ago you know from what we used to get uh, at this stage but it's interesting you feel it's going to be more of a challenge um why it do- could be it could be um, i'm not saying it will be nobody has a crystal ball but um it has been a consideration i think uh, yeah I, because a lot of those staff that you know were laid off um you know when times got tough they may have gone off into other sectors now it might be quite difficult to get back into our sector Mm. or even go started their own thing isn't it mobiling and that's yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's a consideration maybe rather than a challenge yes for sure no for sure yeah, I, yeah. I mean i love i love to kind of hear all this uh, you know all these angles of what we we feel about I completely agree it's always been tough the recruitment in the industry in the first place but yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's a whole a whole separate issue really isn't it recruitment um yeah um, again you need we need long a long-term plan really for how we um encourage people to come into the spa and salon sector mm, and sure. keep them there because they seem to come in and then they don't always keep them there so you know what can we do to to keep them in our sector for longer and, and for them to consider it as a real um you know opportunity and a real career path rather than just something you do for a few years and then move on to something else mm. but exactly mm. when we listen to, to to you know your story there's so much more than starting oh gosh yes yeah if only people could see the bigger picture yeah. you know it's the real um starting point for uh, you know a huge career and in, in whichever um direction you want to take really because did you know what you was going to do when you started in the industry did you did you feel like you know this is no 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 I can remember on those last few days at college sitting there and um, having a lady from um, Babtac I think her name was Elizabeth Elizabeth Pete who came out and spoke to us about um, you know being a member of an association and you know being proud of being in a you know industry and um, insurance and everything and I thought oh I might as well sign up and be a member um and then you know going into a day spa and then starting up my own salon and pathways to sort of open themselves up I don't think I realized what a young industry it was 
at the time um, and how I've grown with it really and now you look back and think gosh you know um, I had no idea really what what lay ahead (laughs) it's that motivation and that focus yes yes yeah I remember I tried to leave a few times you know that I just want a Monday to Friday job nine to five (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely not a nine to five job is it no um No, you've got to be passionate about it. It's got to be a bit of a life choice, really, I think, to do well at it, um, because it isn't a nine to five job. It has always, you know, impacted on your, um, on well, particularly on my social life. And um, it's got to be something that you really enjoy doing to, to stick at it and do well at it, I think. Sure, maybe yeah. it's, you know, amazing success stories like yourself. And it brings, it brings, you know, to kind of, you know, I, I love to talk about leadership and it brings around, you know, the whole, I think also 2021. And it's interesting why you've got the angle on recruitment, because to me, 2021 is going to be a massive challenge on leadership in terms of portfolio and, uh, you know, people that are not necessarily um, engaged as much, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think people possibly have more than one job. Um yeah, it might be difficult to uh, to get full-time members of staff. Mm. So what yeah. do you think leadership means to you? What, what, what is leadership? Um, well, I think you're a great leader. <laughs> um, I think of someone um, with expertise and knowledge uh, who can help others um, to fulfil their goals, but in a motivational way. I think that's uh, that's what leadership uh, means to me is to work with people to help them towards what where they want to be. Mm, It's a bit it's a bit of a selfless role in a way, because you're helping others uh, sometimes to reach what they want more than perhaps what you want them to reach yourself, because everybody's different. Mm, Yeah. And, 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 and that's the thing, isn't it? Managing so many different characters and understanding that side. Yes. Yeah. I do think, um, you know, you need to be a positive person. You need good people skills, um, good communication. I think you need a lot of trust as well. They've got to trust um, in, in what you're doing, trust the process. Yeah, I love that. Mm. Yeah, for sure. That, that trust is so difficult when you do go through so many different difficulties as a leader. Sometimes uh, I do hear it from clients or whatever, you know, how do you trust again? that something's not going to happen isn't it yeah yes yeah that's it trust I think is probably the most important thing in, in your leader yeah love that and uh, and what do you think is needed then to motivate the teams you know apart from those obviously soft skills I guess yeah soft skills that's always helpful isn't it um yeah understanding each member of, t- of the team as an individual and uh, what motivates them um, and if you've got your own goals, how you can align your goals with theirs to work together as a team, really, um, mm. rather than, uh, yeah, just pushing them all forward in the same way. And I think that's something you always um, advocate, isn't it, Valerie, is to have a, you know, a, a plan for every team me- member rather than just an overall plan for, you know, all the therapists. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, com- I think once upon a time it could have been that, but actually Not very yet. much we have to focus on each individuals for sure. And, and you know, what, when it comes to leadership, do you have a success story to share with us? Um, 
I was just thinking about when you, um, whether you want a success story for me um, or I have, I do have a success story. I think one of the most inspiring leadership stories really um, comes from history. Um, I've had a bit more time on my hands recently. So I've been watching um, a series called Warrior Women and I'd highly recommend it actually. It's really quite inspirational. Um, and there was one on Queen um, Bodicea. And I think she was a great example of leadership, um, maybe not a very successful outcome in the long term, but to be able to uh, lead an army of men um, against the Romans, I thought was probably the most inspirational leadership stories um, I'd ever heard, really. I, I, I didn't know the, the detail of it. So I've learned a lot from that. And it's been really, really inspiring. We have never spoken about films so much in 2020. <laughs> watching netflix in 2019 but suddenly have you seen it that's fascinating i've written it down and i'm watching that that sounds like <laughs> yeah it's great you think yes you know women can do it it's really really important use that empowerment yeah 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 some great stories on there really worth really worth watching Ooh, love it. Mm. what about yourself do you find that as a as a leader of two different teams not two different teams two different locations i guess is that is that difficult for you or yeah, well, no, I like, I've always liked to, I never like to think of myself as the boss. I really like to be uh, part of the team. We've all got our part to play. So I really like to um, lead from the rear, I would say, push others forward um, and keep encouraging them rather than, you know, being the big boss and saying, right, I'm in front or follow me. Yeah. Um, yeah so my, my leadership style is really from sort of bottom up, really, rather than top down, I would say. Oh, I love that. Really love that. And you do know, so uh, obviously that I'm obsessed with retail. So I always like the take on retail uh, because it's taken a different side this year, I guess, in 2020. Yeah. Yes. What, I think some people have really capitalized on retail, especially with online sales. What do you, how important is it for you when you come to retail? I think it's very important part of our income. I mean, um, you know, we're in a sector where income is defined by capacity you know the only way you can make more money is by increasing the average client spend you know once your treatment room is full from I don't know nine till nine or whatever and um, you know apart from increasing treatment price the only way you can make more money is by increasing that average uh, client spend so you know retail lends itself you know really well to this um so you know you are limited by the amount of revenue you can earn in an hour uh, with treatments but if you can retail three two even one product to each of those clients you know you can really see a substantial growth in your income um and not just from a money from a business point of view obviously that's really important because i think um perhaps there'll obviously be business owners listening to this podcast but also people that perhaps just work in a salon that don't understand all the overheads that are involved with uh, running premises and you know, and get and increasing that uh, average uh, client spend is so important to cover things like you know your rents your um, insurances you know everything you have to pay for whether the salon is open or closed mm -hmm. so retail is important as that but also from a client support um, point of view you know giving the client the products they need to reach their skincare goals or their weight loss goals or whatever it is that they've come to you for is really important because if you don't retail to them 
you know, they'll go elsewhere and perhaps get a, a product that's not so good. And then it could negatively impact on what you've done in the salon. They might not necessarily think it was the cheap cream they bought from uh, a chemist. It, it, they might think all oh, that treatment that they had at the salon wasn't very good. So I think it's really important that once the client's on board with you um, and, you know, you're helping to fulfill their targets and goals, um, that you support that in every way you can. And that does mean retailing as well. It's very important. I mean, it's, uh, you're talking my language. I love it. Why do you think we, we're struggling so much, you know, in the industry with retail sales? I don't think it's targeted enough in training centres and colleges. Um, it always seems to be just a bit of an add-on, you know, and now we're going to do um, like, like health and safety, for example. Um, health and safety as a module or or retail it's always secondary to the other skills that they're learning but you know selling is um, a specific skill and it does need specialist training I don't think it's necessarily taught by retail experts in colleges often it, often it's taught by you know beauty therapy teachers who perhaps aren't, aren't great that great at retailing themselves mm. um, so it is a specific skill that needs specialist training and just as we get taught you know massage or waxing you know, retail training should be considered an essential skill and, you know, be a part of the curriculum in a, in a serious way rather than just as an add-on. Mm. And I think it's every, something that everyone can learn to do. Mm. You know, you hear people saying, oh, well, I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> uh, that's probably because, you know, you've never been taught. You know, it's like people say, well, I, I'm, I'm not an artist or I can't draw. Mm. That's because no one's really taught you how to draw. Um, you get taught reading and writing skills, but you don't get taught drawing skills in the same way. I think it's exactly the same in beauty therapy. You get taught your facial skills, your massage skills, your waxing skills. But are you getting taught your retail skills in the same way? And I would hold my hand up and say, no, you're not. <laughs> so um, that's it. That's why that people say I'm not a salesperson because they haven't been trained in it. It's a whole area of expertise. And it could also be because perhaps they don't believe in what they're selling. Uh, you've got to really believe in what you're selling. Um, you know, if you're sort of stuck somewhere where you know the, the products you're selling aren't that great then maybe you're not a good salesperson but if you're selling a quality product that can really benefit your client you know why aren't you a good salesperson because all you're doing is advising you're being excited and telling them about the product that you believe in um, and then the sale comes you know as a part of that um, so yeah but saying you're not a salesperson is usually something more complex going on behind it yeah of sale yeah mm. i love it i love it you've got so much experience it's just so amazing to hear angela really oh thank you that's yeah interview your amazing kind of background and everything else so are you gonna hopefully when we comes back up and running are you gonna go back into the uh uh focusing on the um mystery shops and everything else Yes, definitely. Yes. I think uh, once everything's back up and running um, and people may be looking to salon owners and spa owners looking to find perhaps a new direction for their business or um, wanting to consolidate you know, things that they're already doing. I think the mystery shopping will will come back into its own. Um, so, yes, I'm really hopeful for that. It's quite quite exciting and I'm looking forward to it. And we've done a little uh, kind of focus on mystery shops not long ago in the Delphi because I felt it's oh, such an important part of understanding where you're at, isn't it? And yeah. People that enter the world for Pro Beauty always say when we speak to them afterwards, yeah, that mystery shop allowed me to kind of reassess where I am. 
Yeah, I think people really need to think of it as a positive process and that we're working with them. You know, I don't like the idea of you know, being a spy on them or anything. You know, we're not spying. We're just, um, you know, helping them to, you know, assess, you know, if that, that training that we had, you know, is it being implemented? Are we getting value for money? Um, what else could we do to make the process even better? Um, what can we do to, you know, improve our service to make us um, uh ready to enter awards or ready to move to the, the next stage in the business. Um, yeah, it's such a positive process. I really want people to understand, you know, how helpful it is for them. Um, and really, it's quite an indispensable tool. And I think sometimes they think, oh, we can do this on our own. You know, I can send in my mum or my auntie or whatever. But, you know, having a completely um, unbiased set of eyes coming into your business, see so much more than someone who already knows you or your business, you know, can possibly um, show really. For sure, for sure. Mm. And and I mean, I know when I, when I was a, a you know a spa manager, and the, um, I remember having the mystery shops kind of sent, and I, I remember feeling like someone was coming to my house. And- <laughs> And say this is not right, not right, not right. And I just was literally, I remember for the first one that was, it was such a shock. I still remember my first one. And it was very much, you know, oh my God, I'm going to hate this. And I want to tell everybody someone's coming. But obviously you can't because this, this defeats the object. And actually the report was just brilliant because it, you can't be there 24 hours in a day. And yeah. I've got to get that feedback of what happens in yeah. it. And those reports are like gold dust, really, because you can use them in so many ways. Um, You know, people use them in staff training or in appraisals. And, you know, I think particularly if you're a small business as well, sometimes it sort of removes you a little bit from sometimes it's something you've always wanted to say perhaps to a team member, but it's a little bit difficult. Um, But when it's in an external report and you're working through it together, um, it's a really good uh, sales tool um, and a good tool for um, HR purposes as well. Thousand percent. And we uh, we offering them with the business audits because the mystery shops for me is just such an important aspect of you understanding where you are. So I'm I'm absolutely really completes that circle of, you know, training, um, assessing, consolidating, perhaps moving back to more training or moving on to different training. And it really is a good um, analytic tool as well. Yeah, for sure. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. I could talk to you for hours. You've got so much experience that I feel we brush through it. It's like <laughs> I feel like you're underestimating how much you've achieved. It's like it's an incredible achievement. Well, thank you, Valerie. So it's been a real pleasure coming on, and um, always happy to help and uh, and share knowledge. So yeah. I want to know you. from you before I leave you. You know, kind of uh, what if you had one key focus for 2021? I mean, we talked about challenges, but what do you think should be that key? Focus? focus um I think uh don't let things take up shelf space Mm. um now you've got a time to really sit and look at your business um from a different point of view don't waste your time on uh running off with new and shiny things because we're all bombarded at the moment with new Mm. and shiny things I could introduce this I could introduce that you know think about what you do uh consolidate what you're already doing and do it well 
Um, look at all the products that are on your shelf. You know, what sells well, what's really earning its space on your shelf and what really you could do without having there. The same with um, treatments on your treatment menu. You know, cut out the dead wood. What has made you money in the past and what really is just there taking up space on the treatment menu and is really not worth being there. And the same with staff members as well. You know, what's everybody bringing to the party? Um, what training could you put in place to help them improve when you go back? And if that doesn't work, then you know, think about um, you know, getting the right people on, on your team to, to move your business forward. So yeah, it's a good, a good time for uh, cutting out the dead wood, consolidating what you do and, and do well, um, and don't let other sort of distractions uh, come on board. I love that back to basics kind of thing, isn't back it? Back to basics, I think. Yeah, start again. And it might be that you'll start again in a slightly new direction um, and be flexible as well. You know, be um, you look at the market and be responsive, uh, see how it's going when you go back and, you know, see what's working well and be quick to change if you need to. Mm, for sure, without changing the whole business mm. as such, but being able to, I love that, Angela, it's such, such a great, uh, a great focus for 2021, because there's a lot of noise out there on the internet and, you know, bombarded yeah. with everything, isn't it? Yeah, and um, particularly also, like, for yourself, you've been in the industry a long time. Um, you know, people sort of know and trust you. Uh, I see your emails coming through and I think, oh, great, you know, Valerie's offering and, you know, this course or that course. And then you see other things popping up and you think, gosh, where have you come from? <laughs> Don't be just distracted by those new and shiny, you know, come on our course and we'll make you a millionaire type of things. It's just taking your eye off what's um you know, on, on what's really important. So always get your information from, uh, you know, tried and, and tested uh, sources. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Angela. Pleasure to speak to you today. And uh, we will hopefully see each other at one point. If yes, <laughs> I'm sure we will. 2021 is going to be a great year and we'll all be seeing each other. I'm pretty sure. It's going to be so nice, isn't it? To just yes. finally yeah. see each other. Thank <laughs> you so, so much. And we will speak to you again. And uh, thank you for listening, everybody. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye bye.